This is the Mouthing Off podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Mari Sittner. And I'm Kevin Couchman. We're a theater company based in St. Paul, Minnesota. We love live performance, but we want to reach the widest possible audience. So for every project we do, we make digital content, which all goes into our podcast here. Mouthing Off features guest interviews and discussions with actors, playwrights, theater people, and our collaborators at Badmouth. We also use Mouthing Off to present theatrical readings of the work we're doing. So wherever you are in the world, you can enjoy Badmouth's work. Find us online at badmouthtc.com and on Twitter at badmouthtc. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Mouthing Off, a theater podcast. Here we are, back again. I'm Kevin Couchman, and we're here to talk about, hey, my play. What could be what could be more fun for a guy like me? Um, and I'm joined by uh, Amanda Forstrom. Amanda, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm I'm super. We're here to talk about me and my work. What 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 could a playwright what more could like? It, yeah. <laughs> yes, and 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 uh, I'll I'll contextualize that in a second. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about your work too, because of course you you were in the reading. Yes, so that'll absolutely. Be, mm, that'll be fun. And uh, and our friend Mari Sittner. Mari, how are you? I'm doing good. Good to be back. Doing it again. Yeah, doing it again. It's, uh, you know, the idea behind this is we're doing these uh, interviews, talk episodes to correspond with the five readings that we're doing for the Live and Unlocked series. And it just happens that my play Moderation was the first play in the series. We're doing four more plays at Waldman Brewery in St. Paul this year, 2022. And we want to put out digital content too. So this is one of those. Um, I guess for the two of you, how, how have you been this week since getting back into the theater? Do you, do you feel, I mean, the theater, right? The, the brewery, how, do you, are you still kind of going, oh, that was a lot of fun to do theater? What's your, what's the vibe like? Go ahead, Mari. I'm feeling hyped up. Okay. <laughs> I'm Good. feeling hyped up. It was nice. I haven't done theater in like two years. It's one of those things that's just kind of been on the back burner for two years and it's yes. finally back. That's why we're calling it live and unlocked. And, um, well, of course, I want to bring in the, the special guests that we have today. Uh, a very good friend of mine, my partner in crime on the Art of Darkness podcast at artofdarkpod.com, Brad Kelly. And also, and Brad's going to kind of walk us through this talk about my play moderation, because uh, I figure that makes more sense to have a third party do it. Uh, and then, of course, Ian Hathaway, who was the third actor on stage. The play is a two-hander, but we needed somebody to read stage directions. That was Mari. And then, of course, Ian here as well. So um, I guess I'm going to welcome you both in order. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about moderation. I mean, this is uh, theater is back um, and off to a bang. You know, it's exciting. Yeah, we want to do it live. And Ian, yeah. you crushed it. You took, you grabbed the baby, you slapped the baby. It's, <laughs> you know, did it. No babies were slapped during the uh, producing of this episode. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you, thank you. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was great to, like Mari said, it was great to get up in front of people again. It's been a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just want to say before I hand it over to Brad that we're very grateful for Waldman Brewery. If you're listening to this, if you're in Minnesota or I guess Wisconsin, anywhere nearby, we're doing five of these. Uh, we're at badmouthtc.com. And then of course you can look up Waldman Brewery too. And whether you come to one of our readings or not, you should support them. They're this great local business and this incredible old building with tons of character. And uh, as, as the world is going, places like that are becoming uh, fewer and farther in between here, you know, especially in the States. So support Waldman Brewery, our hosts. All right, Brad. Let's go, yeah. man. What's yeah. going on? All yeah, right. so I mean, uh, I, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to see the play live in person. I saw some photos of it. It looks like a really cool space. It looks like, uh, you know, a little bit of Americana for sure. Um, uh, so there's a big bison head kind of uh, looming, <laughs> which, is, which is exciting. So His name is Bismarck. Bismarck the bison? Okay. Or is it Bismarck the buffalo? I say buffalo. I'm buffalo. But, All right. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> but but um, I did get a chance to listen to the audio, and, and you guys did phenomenal, um, all, all three of you. Um, you know, it's a, it's a 
it's a it's an incredible play and i've listened to multiple iterations of of this play now you know with multiple actors and multiple productions and so seeing it um I guess evolve is kind of the right word, but just seeing multiple different, you know, interpretations has been, has been, has been cool. Um, Ian, you have the perfect voice for, what do we call him? Him? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have a name really, right? Um, for him. Uh, there was actually a moment, and, and I mean this with the greatest of compliments. There was actually a moment where uh, I was like, is this, wait a second, is this like, auto speech like did you <laughs> was this it? and then like it only took me like a sentence before you know i caught up and was like no 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 no, no. this is actually being read but you have that great which is perfect for for this character i think um where he's sort of uh there's a little bit of a robotic roboticness to it um it's a little bit um it's a little bit staccato um it's a little bit rigid um and i i just think that i just think that was great um thank you thank you yeah um, um and and uh amanda looks like amanda dropped off for a second which is fine Mar mari's stage directions were also fantastic there's a um there's a certain warmth to those stage directions that i think is necessary because the play is um uh, the play is intense for people who haven't listened to it yet, right? It takes you into some intense places, um, and without a little bit of warmth, uh, you might just get crushed. I think, <laughs> if that's fair, if that's fair to say, it's definitely um, a harsh play. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which is which is is you know a high a high high compliment. Um, the one thing, Kevin, maybe I can throw this to you for a second. How do you feel when how old is this play? It's not that old, but it's not brand spanking new either. I wrote it in the summer of 2019 in the before times. The before and times. it's been sort of awful because a, a number of people, because this is the fifth reading of it, uh, the first reading live, four other theater companies have opted to do it, which tells me that this isn't some sort of... Um, I'm not tilting at windmills uh, with it. Um, and people have said, wow, your play is so prescient. Your play is so like of the zeitgeist. And I go, I know, I hate it. It's so horrible. <laughs> so it's this awkward, uh, yeah. So 2019, but unfortunately it feels like it could, be, it could have been written during the pandemic, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's dealing with all of the same... Um, uh, Clearly, these these ideas of misinformation, disinformation, uh, the uncertainty of what is real and what is not real—that was all. That's all been going on for quite a long time, and then the pandemic kind of brought that all even more to the fore. I think that was a reality that those of us who are very online have been living for years, and then then it finally like reached like. I don't know, like our parents' generation and, and right, it reached kind of everybody. Now, like your neighbor who doesn't have an internet connection is also like, can't figure out what's really happening. Um, so, so yeah, you managed, to, you managed to capture that, that amazingly well. Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, and of course, the thing that I'm always trying to do in, with a play is to provoke the feeling that corresponds with the fact so the play itself is meant to become a metaphor for the thing I'm trying to describe. And I'm trying to engender a feeling in the audience. And sometimes that feeling is uncomfortable horror. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah, yeah. You, you, you accomplished that. I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'm wondering, so, you know, for people who don't know, you know, if you've already listened if you've already heard the play, if you saw it live, if you've heard the audio version, that's that's going to be up at some point soon. I am. Assuming. Oh, it'll be it'll be up before we put this up. Oh, okay. So I think it okay, might be great. the very first thing we release. So I would encourage people if you are listening to this, you should maybe well, yeah, maybe press pause, go listen to moderation, then come back. <laughs> yeah, why not? Okay. Yeah. Um. So you know, part of the thrust of the play is you've got these these content moderators, um, which is a real job that real people out there have who um, are, are holding, you know, holding back uh, chaos from entering the lives of us who, who kind of idly stroll, doom scroll through the internet. Um, and uh, the moderators 
kind of are slowly losing their minds. They're, they're, they're slowly starting to buy into some of the stuff that may or may not be true that they're supposed to be moderating. And the, the cool thing is we've got this, this two-hander. We've got Ian playing him. We've got um, Amanda playing her. And uh, he, Ian, him, is, the, is the, the manager, right? I guess you would call him the manager of Amanda. He is clearly further along in this brain sick uh, which I love that term. This brain sick. <laughs> <It's> fantastic. <laughs> yeah. He's further along in this brain sick process, but what, what's masterfully done is is her. She comes is coming along with it. So, but as the play progresses, she is getting, I would say, more and more brain sick as as time goes on. Not that he is doing any better by the end. Um, and and Kevin, so I got to ask you, how brain sick are you? <laughs> oh the pandemic has not helped man i am an extrovert this whole thing yeah. uh and this isn't a political podcast but this whole thing has been a war on extroverts in a big way mm. and fortunately i am a very online dude so i didn't have to step into the the house of mirrors when they when they did this to us uh and i made a decision kind of maybe after six months of it, I can't really remember the timeline. It's all a blur. Uh, but I did make a conscious decision to go really online during this. And what's amusing and strange and reminds me of, um, oh, like Alan Moore and all the, the crazy Brit witch guys, is that uh, I, I became a moderator in a, in a crypto chat room during the pandemic after writing this play. So I'm literally a paid content moderator or a community moderator now, unbidden, <laughs> never asked for it. It just happened. So the next play I'm going to write is going to be about, about an international playboy who's very rich and everything. Right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And we'll see we'll this powerful, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, go on, Ian. I was going to say that's called manifesting, right? I mean, that's that's really what we're all uh, all aiming for. Uh, right. <laughs> well, it's you know, I I uh, um, Grant Morrison has that great lecture on sigil magic and creating reality, and I do I do believe in the um, the witchier, stranger side of this stuff. Although I did not set out to write, I didn't write this play with that intention. These things are very very powerful, and uh, what a strange world. So, Brad, I'm I'm a uh, I'm probably about. Act two, brain sick. Okay, okay. That <laughs> you sounds, don't have that to. Right. You, you don't have to worry about me. No, no, no. But well, yeah. Well, yeah. no, that's good. That's still functional, right? You could still, mm -hmm. uh, you could still get up in the morning and do things. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Maybe that's. A, I feel like I can ask that question to Kevin because I know him pretty well. But maybe I can ask some tamed down version of that question <laughs> to the other to the other people. Uh, like Amanda, how? Uh, how do you, do you feel like there is an onslaught of being online? Maybe you're not as very online as Kevin or I or other people are, but does this, re does this resonate with you? This idea that like the more time you spend online, the, the less certain you can be of what's real and what's not. Oh gosh, absolutely. I think what really started to get me in, like to pay more attention was watching those videos of uh, the, Siri or the Alexa, like playing things in the middle of the night or knowing what you had a conversation about in the car and they'll be like, oh, I'm suggesting this link or didn't, you know, the algorithms that are so tailored to you and know you and almost better than you know yourself. And there's that one story about this woman who you know, didn't know she was pregnant. And then all of a sudden the, her algorithm started producing like, Hey, look at these baby diapers and like this kind of stroller and her, and she was like, based on her Google searches of like, you know, why am I so tired? And, and this, and, and it knew Whoa. she was pregnant before she did. Whoa. So that kind of stuff is like, okay, okay. So, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little like dipping my toe in the water and then everything with COVID and, you know, yeah, just having too, too much time to where you can only find people online and then you go online and you're like, uh oh, then then it really begins, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it can be a startling experience. The one thing I've always wanted to do since I spend so much time online is Kevin, maybe we you and I could set this up sometime. I want to just spend the day using somebody else's Twitter account. 
and just see how different the world looks to me. That is yeah. a great idea. Yeah. I've seen people do that on the bird website uh, yeah. and they sort of announce it. They go, Hey, this right. is Brad. I'm using Kevin's Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. could be fun. It's all, it's like wearing a skin suit, like a digital skin suit. <laughs> <Right>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A fun idea. Yeah. yeah. Ian, what, what about you? What is your sort of online experience? What is it? What does it feel like? I guess in this vein for you? Oh man. Um, I mean, similar to, to what Kevin mentioned, I'm a, an extrovert's extrovert. Um, and so like, I, I get my energy, energy from being around other people and from kind of t- taking that energy in from them. It's why live theater is so addictive to me is the, the energy feedback you get as an actor on stage is just intoxicating. Um, and so, yeah, definitely pandemic hit and i rather than finding my way into forums and the like because i am a giant nerd uh i started running a lot of D games nice. um and quickly found myself at one point playing like up to five days a week uh and i was running sessions like in four to five different groups. So that meant I was doing all kinds of like prep work for the sessions to because I was the DM. So I had to know what was what. And uh, I remember act- actively thinking that I was, I had made myself so busy with D and D that I was kind of getting like burned out almost. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm playing too much right. Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, wow. I still play a ton. Um, but um no, I mean, if if there's if there's nothing else to be said with regards to like misinformation and disinformation and uh, content moderation um, over the past several years, um, I mean, it, it's been truly I feel like a zenith of uh, of actual disinformation being propagated online. Whether you're on you know, no matter what social media format you use. Uh, even if you're on Reddit or whatnot, and like you know the like if you're if you're going even deeper into the jungles of the internet, so to speak, you know there's there's no shortage of of disinformation, and uh, I mean you know Facebook is flooded with it, and like you, but there's also that part of me that, as you said, when you're talking about other generations, um that part I feel like has been going on for quite a while because you get the everyone everyone has that like you know aunt or grandmother or grandfather or uncle who shares those posts you know those articles and you just sit there and you go no man come on like (laughs) okay um and like and that's and I feel like those floodgates were very much opened uh, as you said, it's not a not a political podcast, but like yeah. uh, in particular, certain efforts definitely increased the amount of, of disinformation online, and it's tough. Um, you know, you have to second guess everything you see when it comes from, especially any kind of a media site, simply because you don't know who published it, and so many like air quotes respectable papers and news sources and so forth also just repurpose others articles and so you know yeah it may have come from the new york times or something like that but the actual article was published by uh some tiny newspaper with a italian name in indiana and you're like what Where, where did that come from um so yeah it's 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 definitely wild um yeah and uh it's absolutely amped up uh, in in recent years for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mari, Mari, what about you? What are you? Are you? Uh, are you armored up against brain sickness, or are you? <laughs> uh, no, no. So I, yeah, I have a very. I really had the opposite experience of everybody okay. else. I think because I am younger, I'm of a different generation, and so I was really exposed to a lot of this stuff really, really young, like nine, 10 years old, I was watching like hour long videos about why like Beyonce is a lizard. And I really thought the moon landing was fake. I really right. did. Oh my okay. God, please, so, please put that in your bio. Yeah. At 10 years old, oh my God, this is like the most perfect description of you, Mari, I've ever, it's just, Excellent. it's just mwah, glorious. Well, the first time I read the play, I was actually kind of, I was t- a little bit taken aback by how tame I thought some of the content they were seeing was because I'm so used to 
like the most extreme of the extreme. I remember there was a website that was really popular when I was younger that I can't remember the name of that was really just videos of people like dying in car crashes. And it was really popular to just have kids sit around and watch these videos. Oh, yeah. It was like what back then? I remember Rotten.com. Yeah, yeah. Rotten.com. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I remember we would be in school and we would have to hide our phones and we'd go into the bathroom. We'd watch the craziest videos. And so, yeah, being of a different generation, I feel like honestly, over the last two years, COVID was the first time that I was like, I got to get off. I got to get off. It's it's going to be a little bit much. Well, because I actually read industrial society and its future like four or five times over covid <laughs> uncle and I ted was like whoa i think he was right everybody got <laughs> well, ted pilled yeah that was the thing yeah. about that's really the thing i think and that's you see with the proliferation of like trad mm-hmm. is a lot of people over covid who are younger i think really finally were like okay now that I'm so oversaturated with it to this extreme degree, I'm able to recognize that like this was my life mm-hmm. and I got to live a real life now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's, so you're saying there's hope. <laughs> so I'm saying maybe there's hope. I do think that there's people <laughs> who want to get offline. Yeah. Who yeah, are, it, but I don't know if there's any going back from Right. And that's the concern is like if the you know, not to get too deep into this, but if society moves basically moves online and then people start to realize, oh, you know, I need to get offline. And then you kind of turn back to offline world and there's nothing left. It's yeah. like none of the stuff that that's we used to do is here anymore. Or now mm-hmm. what do we do? Um, that's true. I mean, if you yeah. go even if you just go to a bar, mm-hmm. people really are not being as social as they were. They are to an extent, but it really is like being online for these years has turned a lot of people just into talking heads. Yeah. Even the way people hold themselves. And I was actually in theater school for the last two years. Mm. And the way that acting has really changed and the way that our professors had to tell people that like you have to move your entire body. You are not just a head and shoulders. A talking, yeah, it's really head. difficult. Interesting. Yeah, wow. it's difficult for a lot of young people to grasp. It's really changed everything about our lives because we were born into this world. I love yeah, how I... every last person is an MK Ultra victim now. They just they brought <laughs> right? the whole thing to scale. <laughs> oh yeah, we were watching snuff videos in the bathroom when I was nine, and now everybody can't move their body. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's. So, I mean, Mari, my me. my, uh, my professor said the same thing. They studied with uh, Tadashi Suzuki for like 12 years and so they were like teaching his pedagogy and they said that all the time you know that that was their biggest uh you know pet peeve and criticism and fear that you're watching these people try to be real people but they're only living in a 2d world and so they have no idea about 3d space and like how to navigate in it like a real person anymore and watching people on stage not being able to be people is oh god it's just so messed up it's so messed up but yeah and you have to imagine even like uh all these small things that are kind of accelerating that right like we're all on zoom right now and and this is this is a great conversation but we're not actually looking each other in the eyes right not in a real not in a real way i'm kind of looking at the picture of the person talking and and Mm -hmm. you imagine doing that hour after hour day after day after day then you have real eye contact and it's a little it's a little startling right (laughs) it's like like you can feel you can feel when somebody enters a room you Mm -hmm. can feel without having to look directly at them you can feel when they leave you can there Mm -hmm. is that you know kinetic whatever that connects us and absolutely being decimated by by this 2d sort of universe it's the this oh no uh, no, i was just gonna say it's the uh um it's kind of the 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 hokey business that like the theater actors will frequently talk about you know it's it's the energy like you Mm -hmm. you you feel that energy give and take between people and it's not just happening on stage it's happening literally every time you interact with other people Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really hard to get that from a screen um sometimes you still can like one of the things that has kept um i, I promise i'm not going to keep talking about D, but uh <laughs> one of the things that has kept me doing that is because 
what it felt like was it created a space for people to escape and invest some of that social energy. And it was it's just storytelling with friends. So like it allowed us to just cut loose and like let out some of whatever we'd been gathering while stuck in our homes um, and all working from home and all just sort of chilling out, um, especially during the uh, the like the winter months as well. Um, up here in Minnesota where it's, you know, 20 below all the time. Um, and, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely Amanda. It's that, that energy of when someone enters a room, when the dynamic of a room shifts, you can Mm -hmm. feel it. Um, and I actually had, uh, I would say in some ways, uh, the opposite experience, um, with regards to like bars and, and so forth. I've not spent a lot of time in, in any since, uh, since COVID, but like when I have been around in them, they have felt even more boisterous, uh, in some ways, um, because I think that there's definitely some element of repression that is now breaking the surface again. Um, and I think we might see a bit more of that before things level off. Um, cause I, I do think that there's a, there's an element of like need to break out um that has that has kind of settled into a number of people and so something like a, a party or a bar scene or whatever the case may be uh is is going to be the uh the the avenue for that well, i hope that's true i hope that uh, that gives me some hope you know it's uh, <laughs> i haven't I mean, been out i haven't been out much either really just here and there and and i certainly um, it's been a long time since my real bar visiting days, but I, I hope there's some, some raucousness happening now as things start to open up for sure. It certainly has been in Wisconsin. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It's, okay. it's, you guys uh, hit it hard over there anyways. So. I mean, yeah, like I'm in Minnesota right now, but Wisconsinites, um, yeah, <laughs> Wisconsin is just the big keg between Minnesota and Michigan. It's right? absolutely true. Absolutely Jeez. true. I mean, wow, that is that is intense. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll for charisma before I continue with the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I don't I don't have a twenty sided die in the uh, in my uh, room here. I'm actually kind of I feel like my nerd cred is like just slipping. Man. That's awesome. Um, talking back to the play, I had a couple couple other things I kind of wanted to point out, uh, and maybe this is just me. This would be just me fanboying fanboying about what I like about the play. So, um, as it was mentioned, there is a lot of uh, because of the nature of the play, Kevin. You had to put in a lot of um, sort of meme or or just areas of interest <laughs> from the internet. Um, things like things like Bigfoot theories about Bigfoot. Uh, things like you know sub- September 11th conspiracy theories and all of that, uh, beheading videos, the kinds of things that a, mo- a video moderator would actually have to deal, or a, a content moderator would actually have to deal with. One of the 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 very deft moves that I think you did was the one that finally starts to, um, I guess, break her is uh, the actual content of it isn't stated. It's a, a little bit like the uh, glowing briefcase in Pulp Fiction, right? It's, it's, it's there for the audience to sort of project into it whatever that thing might be for them, uh, which, you know, I don't know if I've got a question in there. I just think that that was, that was a pretty brilliant move. Um, uh, and kind of as a listener, as an audience member, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that and I'm automatically sort of observing myself putting stuff in there. I'm not even sure if I should mention the stuff that I started putting putting into that video. Uh, it, might, <laughs> it might get me into some trouble. Um, and you hinted at this also with, with him talking about a, a video he saw with goldfish, specifically two goldfish, some kind of video of a sexual nature, which he will not further describe. Absolutely uh, not. Yeah. Uh, no. Goldfish, goldfishes. Trust two. the plan. Right, two. Fishes, fish, fishes, yeah, fishes, right, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah, it kind of makes me think. It's like, uh, you know, we're talking about the way these things have changed. I wonder if something else goes in that that bit of content, that that glowing briefcase now than than might have gone in two or three years ago, right? Um, Yeah. Well, that's an example of like a, almost like a kind of a John Cage moment in the play where the audience is asked to do a little bit of work 
mm-hmm. and it sprung on them at the same time it sprung on her and it's going to be different every night because everybody's going to bring their own level of brain sick and online into the room uh i certainly know what i think about when i uh come to that moment in the play don't say it uh, don't no say it. i won't no the, the <laughs> please re- don't the res- please <laughs> the research for the play was really hor- like awful i oh, mean yeah, I, tell, uh, I never want to go back Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I had a an anon account on on the Bird website that was a frog. I had a frog anon account for uh, three to four months, uh, and I used that to just go into the darkest, deepest, darkest corner of of the web. I mean, and I was finding links to places you don't want to go. I mean, I really went hard and did it um, to. And this was before the pandemic. I don't know what I was doing. I mean, I was just trying to write write the play and. I, I don't know. There was just no other way to do it. You know, you can't you can't write a play that's effective. I, I don't think without actually going in and doing it. And that that account finally got killed when I was in London, and there was a shooting, and I w- and I went looking for the manifesto. Oh no! <laughs> and boom, so, uh, you know, just like that, my account got killed. And it, in a funny way, like that was a blessing because it was like kind of the end of Tempest where the Tempest was like, okay, you're released. You can be free now. And then I went off and I wrote the play. Um, and, uh, I'm glad I did that. Uh, but I wouldn't encourage anybody doing that, um, either. It, it just, it, it really reminded me those three or four months really reminded me how, um, curated our experience of the internet is how, these people sit and they do, they protect us from snuff videos 24 seven. We could be seeing the internet could just constantly be something like the George Floyd video. You could be looking at something like that constantly. If it weren't for the algorithmic moderation backed up by tens of thousands of human beings doing this at any given moment. And, and frankly, all it takes is a couple of savvy clicks, maybe not smart clicks, but savvy clicks and you're off the reservation very quickly still mm. on the internet. Oh, yeah, it doesn't make that stuff go away. It makes it well, just a little bit harder to find. Right? It removes it off certain platforms, yeah. but I mean that's that's the it's the the double edged nature of of like internet content in general is like yes, you can you can all the information you can really want is at your fingertips, and that's not always a good thing. Um, it's just not well, always a good, good thing. It's, it's made us all so much more smarter. It's smarter and more productive mm. and healthier. It's been great. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and well, this al- the like algorithmic curation of the internet, it is relatively new. I would mm. say since maybe 2013, 2014, this yeah. whole moderation industry has not been around forever. And so it's completely untested. We don't know the best way to do it. Yeah. So the people who are doing it are who knows what's going to be their consequences to them personally. Yeah, so I have a question. Do we, for the group, do we think that these moderating jobs will eventually turn into AI jobs that can distinct, you know, do a distinction between, I don't want to give, I don't want to give away the joke, but um, is that possible? And, you know, if not, will we always need human moderators? Yeah, go on. Go ahead, Kevin. They'll always need humans to back it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, there's there's nothing that we've developed or even come truly close to developing that has the capacity for judgment calls. Um, like it can evaluate on criteria, but there's no actual intelligence or knowledge behind it. There was the the comment about like the algorithm knowing that the the, the woman was pregnant. And I was, uh, the algorithm didn't know anything. It just mm. ticked a series of boxes that said, uh, is this person, you know, um, female explaining symptoms, these symptoms. Okay, Certain age, cool. this, yeah, yeah. Certain age, this, because like, you know, friends of mine uh, absolutely get pushed, like things like pregnancy uh, materials, maternity wear and stuff like that. And I'm like, they they literally will never have children. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it still like, manages to push them because they fit certain criteria they tick certain boxes um yeah and then there's all kinds of edge cases like i mean this is something that's handled in the play too is is she asks well what if it's just a joke right can like you know what what if they're just joking what if it's not hate speech what if it's not whatever fill in the blank and it's just a joke and i think (laughs) ai is always going to have a hard time 
understand. I mean, shoot, we have a hard time understanding what's a joke sometimes, right? Uh, trying to imagine that yeah. an AI system is going to be able to keep up with the rapidly, you know, uh, the rapid mimetic nature of, of any joke, right? And parody and satire in oh, yeah. particular, like, yeah. Completely you know. dead, almost. Right. I mean, <laughs> wow. And, and even just word association. I mean, I remember... Yeah. A few months ago, I posted a poem that had the word vaccination in it that had nothing to do with COVID, and it got flagged right, for right. COVID yeah. misinformation. Yeah, I, yeah, COVID mm -hmm. misinformation. You just said vaccine. It doesn't even have to have, have an opinion about it. It just yeah. says the word, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the AI is always going to fall a little flat, I think. It occurred to me, this is an insight I had uh, just now during this talk, that the biggest sensor online and kind of the genius of social media is us, we're, we are the biggest censors online. Uh, I think this is why Twitter is such an interesting space because the Anons have completely taken over Twitter. So that creates a, another level of theatrics, frankly, mm -hmm. uh, and drama and irony. Whereas something like Facebook is just pure, it's, I don't even know what that has become now. I don't spend any time on it, but, but that platform is just purely curated by social pressure. Like, it's a pretty low lift for them, by and large. They have their fringe cases. I think what the, the quote-unquote AI or the algorithms or whatnot will be good at doing is elevating it to the moderators. Mm. Uh, and that's a point about the dramaturgy of the play, which is that I accidentally just wrote the dumb waiter, but it's <laughs> digital content being brought on into the into the playing of the play. If you know Pinterest, the dumbwaiter, it's that great one act play where the dumbwaiter keeps bringing new things into the scene. That's essentially <laughs> the structure of moderation, except it's, it's digital woo woo. Right. Da -da -da. Yeah. 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 It's information. It's info hazards. It's like stuff. Yeah. Info yeah. hazards. That's a, yeah. that's a good word. That's a word I don't use often enough. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, this is a, this is one of my favorite lines from the play. Uh, you're talking about the, the self, self uh, uh limiting aspect of the internet is she says to him we're content too right and, and that's 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 really true i mean that's uh, uh anybody who's doing anything creative or making things of any sort we're all sort of out there trying to get engagement trying to get ourselves in the in the in the loop so that you know we yeah. get we get uh, shared and we get sent around and people click on us and, and all mm -hmm. of that so um, like it, love it or love it or hate it that's that's sort of what the internet has uh, foisted upon us as a reality and even the folks that aren't necessarily trying to create content um, you know the the the, the, the relative that posts something incendiary or a hot take, mm -hmm. um, you know, like even if they are the least tech savvy people around um, and they don't really get the idea of like what it means to like garner interactions on a post or things like that, they're still doing it. Oh, they still um, like the dopamine hit. Everybody likes yeah, the dopamine. It's the attention. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. it's it's the 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 most animal part of us that's like, pay attention to me. Yeah. Um absolutely. Um, that's another great line is the need to feel accepted, the need to feel wanted. And then mm -hmm. on the flip side, not having that, the complete fear of being forgotten. irrelevant, forgotten. Mm hmm You know. Absolutely. Yeah. We see this with the character uh him who's who's got uh, uh, who's working on a screenplay, which becomes a game script, which be and we never really, uh, you never really actually understand what exactly it is that he's doing, you know, with this creative project because he's he's sort of lying about it, or he's 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 using it as a kind of a joke. It's it never it never lands, which which is a, I think is kind of wonderfully done. It's it's it remains this sort of amorphous project that he's that he's that he's, he's right. He's on. writing a stage play, Brad. Yeah, yeah it's a stage play. <laughs> Squirrels and nuts too. Erection right, night. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, right. Absolutely. That's, that's the sequel. Is that that should be the sequel to this? That's play, moderation too. Yeah, Erection yeah. night. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The jokes are cringe. They're meant to be cringe. There's a, oh. there's a quality of yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark yeah, humor. yeah. That 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 comes across. There's there's dad jokes and and puns and pirate jokes and stuff in there, and well, they, and, it's, and they it's land. It's a little bit of a funny thing because it's uh, it, it is meant to be and see people have a tendency whatever play you're writing they write you into it like oh you know he's you and sure to a tiny degree I mean I'm always right and she's me too 
right? I mean, these are characters I created, so there are fact elements of me in both of them, but they're definitely not me. I'm definitely not him. Oh my God, he's he's somebody I would not want to be. I'm very um, glad to hear that, Kevin. Yeah, I, oh, like he's he is he's not okay, and no, uh, no, he's he's, not. he's yeah. not a good person to be around. Well, there was an ex of mine who had a real hard time with the play. <laughs> hey, shout out! Uh, but, but, but the whole the whole point of it is that you put it on stage and you put it, you write it out, so that you get mm-hmm. it out of you and that you can reflect it back and sort of observe. That's what the I mean. That for me is one of the principal functions of dramatic art. We we stage it so that it doesn't uh, take us over. Uh, mm. But it's funny for him that. Uh, Oh yeah, you will have drama in your life no matter what you do. One of the powers of people who make theater and people who make drama is the ability to externalize and reflect back on the drama. Uh, that's that's one of the reasons, the main reasons I do it. And I also think that's where that that kernel of um, witchcraft and kind of magic lives inside of theater is that that ability. Most people can't pull that off. So if you're able to do that, it it does give you a bit of a lever on your own psyche and on the world. Uh, but it's funny um, because it just occurred to me now too, he is like, he's like a writer who spends too much time online and never accomplishes their project. <laughs> so he ends up having to live it out and act it out. And he's just so desperate for something dramatic yeah. and real to happen. Yeah. He's yeah, at the end of the day, maybe that's his greatest project. Yeah. His, <laughs> right. In, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a, dark Mishima energy, right? Like his little note at the end. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. It's definitely one. He, it reminds me a little bit of like the, the, the people who are always saying that they're looking for like inspiration uh, and that's why they're not writing is because they don't feel inspired. And it's like, just, just start writing. Like just st- stop doing that. Like stop right. doing that. Just write stuff and it's going to be crap and that's fine. That's what it's like. It's going to be crap. And then you're going to write a ton of crap and you're going to write more crap and you're going to write more crap. And eventually when you filter through all that crap, you will find some good writing underneath if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think it was Dave Grohl had a, a, a thing about, he was talking about American Idol and like commodi- uh, commodification of like a voice. Um, and he was like, you know what? Like, it, wh- just go into your friend's garage and play music and suck, and like <laughs> be awful, and then you'll become Nirvana because that's yeah. what they did. Yeah. Um, and it's like the the idea that like you're not gonna be good right off the bat. That's right. all there is to it. Right. Right. Yeah, I think uh, who is it? The uh, this American Life guy, Ira Glass, says something about like mm. most people who you know who make something great artistically they just start out with good taste and no no ability whatsoever and the people who kind of end up doing it are the people who can suffer hating their own stuff with you know with their good taste for long enough to get through it to make something that they actually like um so you know and the this is something i think about a lot the education system doesn't do us much of a service as artists because of course they're not trying to produce artists are they they uh they shove the finest masterpieces from the greatest writers working with the most incredible editors right at their prime masterpiece after masterpiece after masterpiece at you and tell you this is what writers are and this is what writers do yeah and i couldn't do that as a first draft when i'm 17 years old (laughs) right right (laughs) and they never show you Steinbeck's juvenilia or you're never exposed to any of it you have to go out of your way to do that. Nobody in the course, and I have an MFA in creative writing and da da da. I've been through it. At no point does somebody grab you and go, Hey, maybe you should read some of the young writing of Hemingway or some of the young writing of, of Toni Morrison, whoever it is. It it just doesn't because it never makes it out. And so Mm -hmm. when you realize that as a writer, when you realize, Oh my God, these first drafts were terrible. Uh, this is the 11th draft of the play. Right. Like I think, I think Sarah rule, her great play Eurydice, I think she developed that for years and years. And you don't hear that. All you see is the, um, the Tony nomination and the, and the mm-hmm. published play. So that's just something to remember if you're younger or even if you're what, not younger, you're just trying to write, like just write exactly what Ian said, write the write 200 pages, edit it down to 80 pages. It's your first thing. It's terrible. Hey, you got something done mm-hmm. or write like a short play. And the weird part is this has happened to some artists. Um, I think it was, 
is it Raymond Chandler who did the uh, the Big Sleep? Um, yeah. He uh, never wanted his short stories published, uh, and the reason was, if you read his short stories, then you read his novels. The novels are just cannibalized short stories that have been incorporated into the novels and so you can you can actually see the ideas germinate and then mature mm. into the novels when you read the short stories and then the novels so like it has it, it does happen occasionally but yeah um, and i mean that's what you see in play development you know you read the play you get feedback and oftentimes if you're in a rehearsal process with a new play you'll be being fed different versions of the play you'll see it over years and years and i think that yeah, that really is one of the magical things about theater is it's kind of ever-changing nature. You're not left with like one cultural product at the end of the right. day. Right. Yeah, yeah the script is only ever a blueprint. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I also think, you know, for on the actor side of it, if you have this play that everybody treats as this precious thing it just makes it really intimidating to try to step into like a lady m role or you know something like a blanche from streetcar named desire or something and and you end up getting in your own head rather than telling just serving the story you know and doing it your way in this time and this this meat suit that i have on you know um so i, I you know masterpieces are wonderful and lovely but but yeah like you guys said all the all the work that it takes to get there from a writing standpoint or a performing standpoint or a musical standpoint you know just trying stuff i just want to like grab a young person who wants to be a writer or anybody again who wants to be a writer and take them into barnes and noble and talk about the dark shelves behind the shelves <laughs> like it's just mass all the best work from everybody and it's like what you're not seeing is just reams of paper and drafts that are just awful and embarrassing and all the alienated family members and friends lost and lost nights and yeah. you lost years and it's it is and, and maybe that's where the romance of like being a writer is but it's not romantic it's it's a slog it's a grind yeah. okay so oh sorry go ahead ian oh i no, I was I was just gonna mention the the this is why it's so aggravating when people are so precious about Shakespeare, and I'm like this was a man working to a deadline. It's why he has no idea how to kill antagonists. So he's like I don't know a bear is gonna eat him. It's fine. It's why he doesn't know that Milan is landlocked, and they're like we set sail from Milan. It's like no, you didn't. Like, what are you talking about? This is a dude writing to a deadline, and yeah, he was really good at it, but like he's still just a guy who was writing to a deadline. But sorry, yeah. Amanda, I interrupted you. No, humans, uh, uh, are, yeah, we're just all, you know, meat suits and walking around <laughs> and trying to do the best we can. Um, no, this IRL Evan, flesh bag thing is gross. Is yeah, gross. Yeah. So all gross. my friends are on the platform. IRL, IRL friends, <laughs> ew. Ew. <laughs> um, but Kevin, that like, you know, shelves of the back shelves of the dark back shelves reminds me of uh, this gal I know who's a designer and she you know once she uh once all the furniture is like built and set up and she's the one who comes in and stages it and a lot of times it's offices or um you know waiting rooms or things like that or university whatever and uh she has a place that she orders books from hmm. and and I and it's this place where they just either like get donated books or, you know, they're like obscure books about birds that nobody knows about. Well, if birds, birds are aren't real. real. Yeah, birds aren't real. <laughs> if, that's why. Um, yeah. But it just makes me so curious about like what this place looks like because she's ordering these books like, oh, yeah, we'll have some green and dark, dark red ones yeah. and like with gold yeah. lettering on it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, where are these books coming from? And like, where is this like factory getting all these books and what's there? It's like somebody's manifesto is like, like heart and soul is like sitting in this dusty <laughs> shelf and will be like in a, you know, oh. in a mall, mall setting on a, on a shelf next to a, you know, I don't know, some heinous sculpture. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. People Is talk about crazy? this online. Yeah. Or yeah. people who order books by the foot. color. By or the, the foot. foot. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's the equivalent of like, that's capitalism. That's modern American uh, narcissistic 
greedhead capitalism doing what the Nazis did. You might as well burn them. It's <laughs> it's just that it's the inverse of the burning of the books. It's, we're going to put these on display, but nobody's ever going to pick up one of these and read them. Yeah, that's right. And it's about how the cover looks, not right. not like what's in yeah. it or. But it's also it's the weird march of what happens to your work after you've finished it. Uh, once you've put it into a public sphere, what happens to it? You know, Tolkien spent way more time on his work on Sir Gawain and the Green Knight than he did on Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. And like 98% of the people who've read any of those books have no idea that he even wrote on Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Um and so it's who knows like you know if you've written a, a a treatise on ornithography uh and someone read it once and went well we'll publish a thousand copies of this right and, and then no if, one cared if <laughs> right. it's your shittiest work and everyone's oh god that's so good and you're like no that's no, not the best one <laughs> no like read this one over here it's way better i promise yeah exactly oh, god an important I thing yeah. that you learn is that, you know, whether or not your work is good, it's not really up to you. You just mm -hmm. have to put it out there. That's up for the world to decide. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to mm -hmm. do with you. God, Mari, so deep. It's true, though. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, it's wild to me that George Lucas said that about art. Uh, he was like, well, once I create something, it's not, it's not mine anymore. And then he immediately went back and re-edited things and recanted that in right. another interview right. later right. where he was like, I'm going to, it's mine. I can do what I want with it. all mine. Yeah. By the way, now, uh, now, now that we have CGI, like I'm going to put all these CGI things that I wanted right. to redo the movie. What a crime. Bunch of slapstick no. in it. Just a bunch of really like bad slapstick. <laughs> crime just a crime to, to do that I, I i really i can't even i would ha I have to go and find the original uh a new hope and the original empire uh otherwise i just i can't watch really it's just like i see every moment of cgi that was added and i just i cringe it's, it's tough. so terrible oh it's that's why i have to, to buy watch. dvds <laughs> my, I, I want to. We're, we're coming to the end here. I want to ask a question, Mari. What were you doing, sitting around reading Industrial Society and his, uh, in the girls' bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> like, just curious, curiosity. Yeah, really. I was just. I was actually in like a multimedia dramaturgy class at the time, trying to justify all of this online kind of crap that was coming our way. And some of mm. it was actually quite good, but just kind of trying to justify Zoom's existence and multimedia theater's existence. And I mm. was not having it because I was just so upset about having to be home and not being in school and just being constantly asked to be like, this is the future. This is mm. the future. There is no other alternative. And so I went looking for the alternative. All right. Well, I want to do one day, I want to do a Killdozer musical. I think a Killdozer musical, like a metal, <laughs> industrial, outlaw country, Pantera, <laughs> Killdozer musical for people who don't typically go to musicals. That to me sounds like a lot of fun. Oh my and God, I think, Hank. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Hank Williams Jr. meets Pantera or like yeah. Children of Bodom. Oh, yeah, my yeah, right. yeah, oh my yeah, god! Oh my god! It just makes me think of um, yeah. what's it called? Repo, uh, the genetic opera, like the the really really fringe cult musicals that have happened. Mm -hmm. You yes. know, An Anthony Head playing a person who repossesses organs from people, like you know, Cannibal the musical. Yeah. 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 Look, and Killdozer already comes with its merch. It already oh, yeah. comes with a with a day. I'm I'm not joking about this. And uh, if you're out there and you're at all interested in collaborating on that, Badmouth Theater Company is here at badmouthtc.com. And I legitimately want to do that one day. So we'll see. That could be quite fun. I like the idea that um, that Marv Marv Hemeyer, the guy who built the Killdozer, uh, kind of he wakes up and he's in purgatory, and Ronald Reagan is there, and Ronald Reagan <laughs> is trying to help him figure out. Uh, why he did it and what the reasoning was. <laughs> and Ronald Reagan keeps feeding him jelly beans that are like hallucinogenic. And so Marv goes back and remembers why he built the Killdozer. And Ronald Reagan is like his Virgil. I like that idea. Right. And maybe, <laughs> maybe, 
truly wild. <laughs> Maybe Uncle Ted could show up at one point. Oh, I think Uncle Ted, yeah, there should be a little bit in there from Uncle <laughs> yeah. Ted for sure. <laughs> I'm sure we're really hitting the mainstream of uh, the theater going audience. <laughs> oh, man. Right? <laughs> On board with Bad Mouth Theater Company, live and unlocked at Waldman Brewery. Uh, Brad, can you bring, yeah, go ahead. No, you must have known that the Libertarian Party of Convention of Minnesota was today. Is that why? Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. Oh, great. Kevin, you're hey, late. We should go. You should go do a little. Oh, please! We should go do a. We should go do a street theater. They're too soft for me. I, I'm, I'm way. They're they're way too on the left for me, Brad. Oh my yeah. God! <laughs> Watch out! You can smell their mother's basement from you here. You can smell their mother's basement. No, I, I, respect, respect. Look, if you're a libertarian in Minnesota, you are so outside the mainstream here. I admire you. Anybody who's not going along with the program right now, I'm all about. Um, well, Brad, can you bring us home here? We've done about an hour, and I, I think this has been a good episode of Mouthing yeah. Off, the podcast yeah. from Bad yeah, this, Theater this Company. Was, yeah, this was great. So, um, you know, definitely anybody who's listened through this and ha- has not listened to Moderation, uh, the audio, which is now going to be available, definitely check that out. Um, it's... It probably, I think it's the best iteration of it, and I've listened to all of them, uh, though they're all good. So moderation is uh, a bit of a phenomenon. It exists out there in, in many forms, but this is, uh, it's, uh, it's, I don't want to say it's ultimate form. It's ultimate form so far, because um, we do want to see it as a full-on production one day. Broadly. Um, uh, you know, with the sound effects and with uh, with the waving the gun around and uh, everything else, not to give too much away. Um, uh, so I guess, you know, maybe I'll give everybody a chance here. I know n- nobody on here is doing just this. Everybody's got, you know, f- uh, irons and many fires. So if we can go around and maybe just give a brief, uh, say what you're up to, say how to find you, start with Ian. Oh, goodness. Um, so I actually probably have the fewest irons in the fire of anyone here. Uh, this is my first dip back into theater um, oh. since the pandemic. Uh, I moved to the Twin Cities just before COVID started. Uh, and so I actually didn't get a chance to to really dig into the, the scene at all. So uh, I don't actually have any any productions or other projects coming up to uh, to witness. However, uh, I will certainly be uh, pushing myself out into the scene here as we go forward. So hopefully you will see me uh, on stage. Uh, and actually, uh, I, I, uh, there, uh, I, you can also find me in a couple of... Uh, a couple of online and uh, voiceover uh, roles, um, and um, uh, but yeah, uh, we. Uh, He's uh, going to be back with us. He's going to absolutely. I, I plan oh, yeah. plan to plan to be back with Badmouth uh, in in upcoming projects, but uh, otherwise, um, hopefully you'll uh, you'll see more of my name around soon. Excellent, and Amanda. Oh gosh, you can find me on the Instagram at amanda.forstrom. And other than the fabulous reading series with Bad Mouth, um, you can go to graphicaudio.net, I believe. Uh, I'm a voiceover artist with them in Westerns, and a big one coming out is uh, I play Morrigan in the book uh, A Court of Thorns and Roses, which is a series of four books um, by Sarah. I forgot her last name, but it's a uh, New York times bestseller. It's one of their big projects, which is awesome. Very cool. Um, yeah. So you can catch my voice and hopefully, you know, Ian and I will be on stage around Minneapolis, St. Paul soon when everything, you know, is start back up and running. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And Mari. Yeah. I mean, bad mouth has really been what I've been doing at the moment you can find me on twitter at mari hmm, hmm with three m um <laughs> okay and i'm just in my cave writing so you know check back in a few months and there might be something who knows awesome awesome yeah well, well, it's just i mean brad and yeah. i do a podcast it's art of darkness it's about the dark side of creativity that's at art of and then of course bad mouth is at badmouthtc.com brad do you have anything else you want to want to pitch no not not really art of darkness of course uh but mm-hmm. i you know thanks for bringing me into this uh i i'm really excited about what you guys are doing i'm kind of you know i don't live in the area so i don't get to see anything but i am you know anxiously looking at the list and following the the social medias and and, and really looking forward to everything you guys put out it's very it's very exciting coming out of the pandemic you know the, the theater we got to bring the theater back to life 
and I think bad mouth is uh, is going to be a big part of that. So um, I do apologize. Uh, I actually did forget to mention a project uh, oh, that is ongoing. It. So I apologize. Uh, you can uh, catch me as uh, one of the romantic leads in a uh, romance novel adaptation. Uh, speaking of Court of Thorns and Roses, actually, um, uh, www.bodcast.com. That's B-A-W-D cast.com. Ooh, podcast. That sounds saucy. Sounds I like that. Yeah, it is saucy. Really uh, not mm. for kids. Okay, uh, there, the mm. the first page has some some information about the content. So if it's not for you, absolutely. Um, but oh, uh, it's a, it's a great story. Wow. Okay, <laughs> that's great. Thank you for sharing, uh, Ian. And and of course, there may be who knows. There might be an Art of Darkness Badmouth Theater Company joint in the future. We will sure, see <laughs> what happens there. And Brad, I just want to say thank you very much. I want to say thank you to uh, to Ian for joining us uh, in the uh, the reading of moderation live at Waldman. Again, thank our partner Waldman. Uh, everybody here, thank you for your time and your energy and the gift of your talent. Uh, and then, Brad, Brad, I just want to say you really slapped the baby. <laughs> good job that's good. that's good that's what i that's my goal every morning i wake up and i say i'm gonna slap some baby somewhere so <laughs> all right this is uh mouthing off thanks again <laughs>